Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Monday, July 25th, 2022. I am Dave Biddle. I'm very happy to be joined by Patrick Murphy. Oh, it's an exciting week. Uh, I love Big Ten Media Days every year. They kick off tomorrow in Indy. Uh, for years, they're in Chicago. And then the last couple years, uh, now they've been in Indy. Um, I love Chicago, but Indy is like almost like a perfect place to have it because like everything's like right there. Um, and uh, really looking forward to that. So kicks off tomorrow with the first seven teams. All of Ohio State stuff is then the following day on Wednesday. So for those that are wondering, all of Ohio State stuff will be Wednesday, the 27th. But Patrick, let's just get into like what you're most interested in gleaning from media days, both from Ohio State's perspective and the conference as a whole. Well, first, I'm just excited, as you said, to to be going to, you know, football being almost back. This is always a sign that we're, we're getting close, right? We're about a month away from the season kicking off a little more than that. So, you know, football's in the air, and that's always exciting after a long off season. We had spring ball, and, and that's a nice little teaser. gives us some, some work to do, but now we get to crank things up. And it's always great to get there. I've, obviously, we've covered a lot of the Ohio State storylines throughout the offseason in terms of the development of the defense and, you know, the, the next steps in the careers of guys like C.J. Stroud, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, both of which will be there. Um, you know, Ryan Day obviously coming off of a season that didn't end the way his first two did with a Big Ten championship and a college football playoff appearance. So interesting to see how maybe they've changed things even since spring to, to kind of adjust to that and how he's adjusting to not being the even though they're the preseason favorites for, for the Big Ten, they aren't the, the, the defending champions. So it's, it's just an interesting thing. And then around the conference, it's always good to, to kind of get to know some of these other teams that we don't cover um, on a daily basis, talk to the, the coaching staffs, uh, the players that they bring, things like that, and, you know, kind of hear their perspective because it's different than uh, the, the world we live in, which is so focused on Ohio State that, you know, sometimes we, we don't talk to these guys as much throughout the year. So it's nice to be able to, to kind of get the perspective of some of the other teams across the Big Ten and kind of see how they, they see things, both about Ohio State and the conference as a whole. Yeah, I'm interested in, in, you know, a bevy of things. I'm curious what Jim Harbaugh is going to say. Is he going to now tone it down a little bit? Because they had a lot of bravado after beating Ohio State. And Harbaugh thought he was out the door and he could kind of just take shots on his way out the door at Ryan Day saying, born on third base, thought you hit a triple. Now that bill is coming due in November. So I'm curious what he's going to say. Is he going to be still cocky Jim Harbaugh? We finally beat Ohio State, you know. Um, or is he going to be, you know, a little more tempered with his comments? Um, and there's going to be a ton of um, a ton of stuff about conference realignment. I'm really curious what's going to be said about that. People are going to be parsing their words carefully, but everybody from the coaches to the players 
Kevin Warren, everybody's going to be asked about that. Um, so I'm curious what people are going to say about that. There's going to be a lot of talk about Notre Dame and Notre Dame joins us that, you know, now we're hearing again, the Stanford rumors have resurfaced. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to a lot of stuff. And then from Ohio state's perspective, it's simple. It's the defense. It's the defense, you know, and there's some other topics we're going to get into offensively, but um, you know, I keep saying it, but I, it just bears repeating. I mean, they're going to improve defensively, but that's one hell of a low bar. How much can they improve in year one with Jim Knowles? It's been proven. Jeff Halfley came in here in 2019 and that was an incredibly talented defense. I get that, but it didn't take him two years. One year he turned them around. Boom. And this year's defense, while it won't be quite that talented, it's still very talented with JT Tuimolo and Jack Sawyer. Um, in fact, those guys, it might be like as talented if you just add up the five stars, but that 2019 team is a little more veteran. Chase Young, Jeff Okuda, and those guys were all in their final season, um, where Tuimolo and Jack Sawyer are just getting started. They still have uh, this year and then all of next year as well. So Tyleek Williams, Denzel Burke, Jordan Hancock. So um, looking forward to what Ronnie Hickman, who's going to be the defensive rep for the Buckeyes, what he says about what he's learned so far from Knowles and breaking down more what Jim Knowles can do. So we're looking forward to all that. All right, let's get into the next thing. Eventually we're going to answer some questions, guys, so hang with us on that. But um, I wanted to get into this. I want to get into some of the backup players that are still very important for the Buckeyes this year. Um, we're going to talk about, you know, some running backs and then some wide receivers. So I think the running backs more so than the wide receiver, the backup wide receivers are more important. Mayan Williams, to me, I love him. Like if he was the starter, Ohio State would be in very good hands. It just so happens they have an absolute stud in Travion Henderson. Um, it's hard to be a first round pick in the NFL as a running back. He he might break that uh, mold here in a, in a couple years. But um, Patrick, how big of a role do you think Mayan Williams will play in this offense? Because obviously Travion has to get his. The receivers have to get theirs. Uh, only so many balls to go around. Hopefully, Travion stays healthy. How big of a role do you see Mayan Williams playing? And then Evan Pryor is the third stringer as well. Yeah, it's certainly going to be interesting. I think it would be easier to say if Travion Henderson were just a, a one-trick pony, right? But he can do a little bit of everything. So it's not like you need to bring in Mayan Williams for certain plays or Evan Pryor for certain plays. Travion Henderson can run between the tackles. He can also catch the ball out of the backfield which are kind of the, the strengths of, uh, of Mayan Williams and, and Evan Pryor, respectively. Now, they both can do other things as well, but we heard all spring that, that they want to spread this ball around in the backfield. They want to get these three guys on the field. Um, you know, It'll be interesting to see how Tony Alford goes about doing that because, as you said, there are a number of players that are going to need the ball this year. I just wrote uh, for, for our site over the weekend, uh, questions for Ryan Day for Big Ten Media Days. And that's one of them is how do you keep all of these guys happy? And obviously they've done it in the past, right? We've seen a Ryan Day offense keep a feed a lot of mouths, so to speak. But there's just there's a lot of guys there. And I think that running back situation is is a perfect example of all right, you have your stud in Travion Henderson. He's certainly gonna get his carries. And we have seen him get banged up a little bit as a freshman. So there will probably be opportunities if that continues to be a thing for him. Thankfully no serious injuries in, in his history here at Ohio State but you know if everyone's healthy how do they rotate those guys in what situations do they you know is it the third drive of the game you bring in a backup running back and just let him go especially in some of the games where maybe you know things won't be as close I think it's going to be very interesting because you need Travion Henderson on the field especially in big games but as you mentioned Dave both those other guys are very talented no doubt about it um so it's gonna be interesting I mean my gosh they're loaded that's the best thing if you're, in a, if you're a Buckeye fan that's that's what you need to be focused on. Is like, what's going on with the running backs? 
absolutely stacked. I, I love it. Uh, okay, let's get into this. Talk about stacked. When Julian Fleming is your number four wide receiver as a junior, and he was the number one wide receiver in the country coming out of high school, that 2020 class, you know you're loaded. Jackson Smith and Jigba, we're hearing Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, is taking what he did in the Rose Bowl and is like taking it to new levels. Now, it's off-season hypes. So we'll see, but we're hearing things like absolute freak. Love it. Um, and by the way, don't believe the program, as I've said, the official roster. He's not 6'3". He's 6'4". He's, my man is 6'4". Um, and then Emeka Egbuka. Those are your top three. So Julian Fleming, Patrick, presuming he's the number four, how big of a role do you think he's going to have? You think they're going to do what they did last year? And listen, if you're not in that top three, we're not taking those studs off the field. Uh, or do you think they might play forward receivers more this year? And then if Jaden Ballard's the number five, what do you expect out of him? I think they will definitely – rotate more than they did last year just because it's it's less of a veteran group jackson smith and jigba is your guy coming back obviously and then these other guys while very talented and we've seen bits and pieces of it still have to to put it together and, and prove it on the field if healthy i think julian fleming can have a big role in this offense now again there are a lot of mouths to be fed in at the receiver position but that's been his biggest thing yes he had to learn some of the receiver concepts that he didn't have to do in high school and, and whatnot when he got to ohio state but if he's healthy, I think he's as talented, purely talent-wise, as, as any of these guys. So I certainly think he can he can play a part. Uh, beyond a fourth receiver, I think that just kind of depends. I mean, we've seen them do it before. The, the Paris Campbell, Terry McLaurin, uh, Johnny Dixon, Austin Mack, Benjamin Victor, those guys all played a good amount when they were on the team together. So you can go deeper than four, but I think four is probably – where you know the 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 cutoff line will be if Julian Fleming's healthy. I know uh, Brian Hartline said in the spring when we talked to him after spring practice that you know he's comfortable with at least four guys. And he also mentioned um, a guy like Xavier Johnson, the the walk on wide receiver, a senior who's really done a lot behind the scenes, hasn't gotten in on offense a ton throughout his career, but a guy that they really like. And Brian Hartline included him as a guy he could trust and, and put in a game if they needed to. So, yeah, I think it's definitely going to be a deeper rotation than it was a year ago. I'm Xavier Johnson every time we're at practice. I mean, he looked good in the spring game, too, as Buckeye fans. Every time we were at practice, he was making plays. You know, a kid that's a fifth-year senior, former walk. He's still a walk-on. I don't think he's been. But they have a scholarship available, despite the fact that they have three scholarship kickers on the roster. I, I, I kept saying there's no way they're going to have three scholarship kickers on the roster. Well, they were able to get under the limit, so they're able, you know, that's good news for Jake Cyber because I think he would have been the one looking uh, on the outside looking in if they had to get rid of a kicker. Um, I've never seen Ohio State have three scholarship kickers on the roster. It's crazy. Um, but, uh, hey, at least they have Ruggles and, you know, they got the kid transferring in from USC. So, uh, Parker Lewis, hopefully he can be the guy that can just boom them through the uh, end zone on kickoffs. But, um, yeah, I mean, I just can't wait. I can't wait for media days. I can't wait for the season. Um, you know, let's get into this as well. Um, last thing before we take some questions. All right. I think it's you would agree it's pretty likely that Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers are going to be the starting linebackers. Is that fair? Yeah. Okay. And then so what are your expectations for them? Uh, presume they are the starters. Like what what would be a good season for them? What do you expect out of them? And then who are some other guys that maybe aren't just in the mix but can really challenge them? Uh, maybe even if not for starting spots that will be able to rotate in and get some meaningful snaps for the Buckeyes. Guys like Reed Carrico, you know, maybe some other guys, Cody Simon, EA. I don't know who you would have mentioned, CJ Hicks. Uh, who are some other guys in the mix? And what do you expect out of Eichenberg and Steele? Well, I think the, to answer your first question on the expectations, it's just got to be the fundamental 
linebacker football that you've seen from Ohio State in the past and that we haven't seen these last few years. I think there's just been a, a letdown at that position. Now, I, I do think that what we saw in the spring or in the uh, Rose Bowl, excuse me, uh, the second half of the Rose Bowl, you know, the linebacker play was significantly better. I think that was a big part of the turnaround. And I think it was really just, you know, going out there and, and, and making your fundamental plays, hitting guys. You know, obviously they had Cade Stover on defense with them in, in that game. But, you know, I, I just want to see what we've come to expect from Buckeye linebackers. You know, that, that fundamental football, this used to be a strength of the defense year after year, and it has not been. But I think these guys have the ability to do it. I know that some people are still – a little skeptical of, of a guy who is a former running back playing linebacker, but I think still Chambers has done a great job. I think Tommy Eichenberg has improved as uh, as last season progressed. So yeah, I just want to see that that fundamental football from them making plays, hitting guys. You know what you expect from from a Buckeye linebacker. And then in terms of depth, yeah, I think you mentioned some of those guys: Cody Simon, C.J. Hicks, Taraja Mitchell's interesting because. He decided to come back for another year here. He could have transferred. He could have tr- attempted to move on. He saw his snaps decrease throughout last season. Where does he kind of fit into the mix? I mentioned C.J. Hicks, Gabe Powers, too, uh, the two freshmen there. And I They're think him too. Yeah, yeah, that's another good one. I think yeah. when, you know, what does it look like when they do have to have three linebackers on the field? I think we think Reed Carrico is going to be that guy if they, they bring an extra linebacker in. And I think they're probably going to have to do that more than than we've really talked about, just given some of the teams they're facing this year in the Big Ten, uh, maybe even Notre Dame a little bit. So, yeah, I think they certainly have some depth there. I mean, you know, they definitely have loaded up on, on linebackers in terms of numbers. Now these guys just need to produce on the field. All right, let's take some questions from the good people out there. Let me get this banner off of here. Boom. All right. All right, here we go. Start here with our guy, Spider Sillery from YouTube. Who will have the biggest role at tight end? Who will be the best tight end for blocking? Who will be the best tight end for passing? Who's the best combo tight end? And I think that final question ties into the first question. I think you have to be the best combo tight end to probably be the the starter. And I think that's going to be Joe Royer. But I think, Patrick, I think Joe Royer is going to be the starter. But I also think Kate Stover is going to have a big role. G. Scott Jr. is going to be the best receiver out of the group, although Royer is a good receiver. Um, and Stover's the best blocker. But Mitch Rossi is going to play a lot. Those four guys are all going to you know, play a lot. They like to use some 12 personnel. So, But I think Joe Royer is going to be the starter. To me, the question is, when it comes to the tight ends, is how do you get these guys on the field without revealing what your play is, right? Because as you mentioned, each one kind of has – uh, their own specialty, so to speak, or or at least one thing that they're clearly a little bit better at catching, blocking, whatever it may be. So, you know, can you get a G Scott into the game on a play where you're not intending to to use him as as a passing weapon so that teams don't know exactly what you're going to do based on the personnel? And I think that's going to be the trick for Kevin Wilson and Ryan Day is, is figuring out how how that works and that's what you, you mentioned, that combo tight end. You need to be a complete tight end to play in this offense. I think Cade Stover and Joe Royer are probably the most complete of them. Obviously, Mitch Rossi showed that he can catch the ball, but that's not his specialty. We haven't seen enough of G. Scott in game action to know for sure where he is in terms of a blocker, but he's certainly been putting in the work, so I imagine he's improved in that aspect. So I, that's my big question with tight end is, is how do you – Get these guys on the field without revealing too much of what you're doing. And I think that's the trick at that position. All right. This one is from Larry, also from YouTube. This is good morning, Bucknutters. What is your uh, gut feeling on Caleb Downs 
number one safety in the country, five-star prospect. I believe he's the number 10 overall player in the country. Absolute stud. I know. I mean, Patrick and I, we follow recruiting, obviously Bill Curlick and, you know, is the man is the Dean and we have other guys that focus on recruiting, but we follow it um, closely. My gut feeling is he's not going to be a Buckeye, but I think it's really close. What do you think, Pat? Yeah, I'm the same way. Uh, you know, he, he hasn't told, from my understanding, he hasn't told any coaching staffs or, or anyone what he's doing um, in terms of where he's going to commit. If you look at our crystal balls, I believe it's 100% to Alabama, but I think that's only Steve Wiltfong, unless that's changed in the last day or so. That, that's, that's a good one, though. Yeah, it is. It is absolutely. Uh, I wish yeah. it was somebody I didn't even I didn't even know from the network or something. Oh, it's like that guy. Oh, right. Wiltfong. Damn it. Right. Exactly. So <laughs> that that's where I tend to lean towards. He's he's going to be a an Alabama player. Wiltfong doesn't often get those things wrong when he puts in a crystal ball, though he is only a, a medium level of certainty. So it's not, uh, you know, he's not all in on, on him committing to Alabama. And certainly, you know, the Buckeye staff likes what they've done, likes what, where they stand with, with Caleb Downs. You know, now it's just up to the kid to make his decision. Yeah. All right. Let's get to some more questions here. This is from Ed, also from YouTube. Where are the, where are the questions from Facebook? No, we've had plenty of comments from Facebook. Um, all right, we and we got to set it up where we're like our Twitter, you know, our live Twitter um, audience can ask questions. We'll eventually get that set up. I, I don't know why StreamYard doesn't do that, but overall, we love StreamYard, so we'll get that figured out. All right, this is from Ed. Will CJ Hicks start as a true freshman? No, no. And I love CJ Hicks. I think he's going to be a future star. I think that's too much to ask. Um, not that he's undersized by any means, but he, I still think he needs to. You know, just get a little bit stronger. I do think he's going to play. I think he's going to play. There's no way he's redshirting. But is he going to start? No. Patrick and I already talked about it. We think it's pretty clear. It's not a definite, but it's pretty clear that Eichenberg and Steel Chambers are going to be the starters. They like Reed Carrico. We mentioned they've got a ton of depth there. We were When I was going through the guys with Patrick, I didn't even mention Taraja Mitchell at first. I didn't even mention Chip Train. And when I was going through all the guys, Gabe Powers, they've got nine scholarship linebackers. So will C.J. Hicks start? No, um, unless there's injuries to guys in front of him, but he will play. Absolutely. I, I, you, you said it perfectly. He's a guy who, who they're very high on and whatnot, but you know, they, they have guys with experience and, as you mentioned, size and, and everything that are ready to go right now. So you know, maybe if, if things don't go the way the Buckeyes want and they have to adjust some things, maybe he gets more playing time as the season goes on. But I think if things are going right, C.J. Hicks is – is getting in games, but but working his way into a bigger role in the future. Oh, asking you shall receive. Look at these questions from Facebook just pouring in now. Let's get to some of these. All right. From Facebook, Philip from Facebook. What do you think is going to be the starting defensive line? Well, I think it's going to be um, a defensive end. There's basically going to be three starters, in my opinion, in whatever order. They're all going to play starter snaps. Tuimo Lowell, Jack Sawyer. Zach Harrison, and then there's going to be a fourth guy. We'll see who that is. I think Caden Curry might be that fourth guy. But the top three are basically good. And I consider all those guys starters, all three of them. Then at D-tackle, I'll go with Tyleek Williams and da -da 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 -da, Teron Vincent. What do you think, Patrick? I agree with you at defensive end. The other name I'd throw in there is Tyler Friday. Got injured last year, and I remember just talking to people at the time. They were really disappointed that, that he was going to miss the season. That was a guy that they liked. Um, so if he's back and, and fully healthy, I can certainly see him getting into the rotation. Um, and then D Teron Vincent, I think for sure, at the three technique, 
Jaron Cage is another guy that I, I put in there as a potential to start. Uh, but Tyleek Williams, certainly with what we saw from him last year, he's going to be, whether he's a, starting a game or not, he's going to play starter snaps for sure. All right. Another one from Facebook. This is from Rick Montoya. Any word on Mateo's recruitment? I know he loves Ohio State and his dad's heavily involved and they love Ohio State too. My gut feeling on that is he's going to stay home and play for USC. Just a gut feeling. I know he loves Ohio State though. Yeah, the Buckeyes are certainly in the mix there. I mean, they they have put in the work, as you mentioned. Um, you know, the, the, the dad there is is very uh, pro Ryan Day, as he's he's made clear. But yeah, now with with USC starting to build some momentum out west, it's going to be more difficult for for the Buckeyes to go into, especially Southern California, and land those guys. They'll still get some, but yeah, that's going to be an interesting one to watch because it could it could set uh, set a trend going forward there. No doubt about it. Let's hit a few more here. Let's go back to the YouTube. All right. Where goes one asks if Notre Dame decides to stay independent, should the Big Ten not schedule them anymore? For any loyal listeners to the show, you guys know how I feel about that. Yeah, I would close them out. I'd be like, okay, you want to stay independent? Guess what? You're going to make less money. And guess who you're not going to play ever? USC, your main rival. You're not going to play Michigan. You're not going to play Michigan State. You're not going to play Ohio State. You're not even going to play Purdue, who they've played a lot over the years. Um, you're not going to play any of those schools. So I say yes. Let's say the Patrick. I don't care, honestly. Like, I mean, <laughs> noted the, the, I mean, the expansion talk in general, I know why it's, it's been so, uh, so public this, this last month or so after the USC UCLA stuff, but does, what, what does Notre Dame give you that they're so desired for the big 10? I mean, I know it's a big name, but they're a team that consistently hasn't performed up at a high level. Yeah, they've made the college football playoff a couple times, but you know, Michigan State's also made the college football playoff and, and no one's talking about them being in demand. I just I, I don't get the Notre Dame hype. If you want to play them fine, I'm looking forward to, to going the South Bend next year, looking forward to the game this year, but that would be true about a lot of different teams Ohio State could schedule. I'm just I, I'm I'm kind of done with the Notre Dame expansion talk. If they want to join a conference, fine. If they don't, I don't care either way. Go out to Glenn Dinkins on YouTube. Any news on Babolade, the big offensive uh, tackle, uh, might, might be a guard. I thought he was a take. Now we're hearing that he might not be a take, that they kind of want to see some more here. Um, sounds like if he's patient and has a good senior year, he'll be a take. But I think Ohio State's in wait-and-see mode with him. They've got four offensive linemen already. Um, obviously lost the big guy that from Finland to uh, Alabama recently. Um, Olas. So Babelade, I don't know. I think I know he likes Ohio State, but I think Ohio State's kind of in a wait and see mode. Yeah, hearing the same thing. Okay, let's go to Randy. Randy from Facebook, the book of face, Meta, our boy Zuckerberg. Um, all right, Randy Bills from Facebook. Will the run defense be better this year? And this just goes into another question from Facebook. This is from Patrick. Will the defense be better as a whole? Like, there was no standout besides Tyleek Williams. Says a few other things. That's the main question. You know, will the run defense be better plays into, will the defense be better as a whole? Um, now, we talked about this a little earlier, Patrick. Like, the defense will be better. The question is how much better. I keep saying, and there was a guy on, on our side on Bucknuts that didn't necessarily agree with this. I keep saying if they're a top 25 defense – because I think they're going to be the number one offense clearly in the country, then they're going to win the national championship. But they can't just be better than they were last year when they're about 60th in the country in total defense, playing against a lot of weak offenses, by the way. They were 60th in the country, 59th. 
Uh, their schedule is going to be tougher this year. If they can be top 25 total defense, look out. Can they get there is the question. I think they can under Knowles and with this t- this talent and these guys, these freshmen that played last year, like Tyleek Williams, Jack Sawyer, JT Tuimolo, as we were talking about, all now a year older, all now with a year of experience under their belt, and all now with a year of working with Coach Mick. Absolutely. I wrote something earlier this offseason where I went back and looked at every college football playoff team since that's that's started in 2014 and kind of where they ranked offensively, where they ranked defensively. And you're right. If you know, the best comparison is LSU with Joe Burrow and that offense. And I believe that defense ranked 31st overall in the country or, or something right along there. But yeah, if you have an elite offense, you don't need to have that Georgia level defense that we saw last year from the Bulldogs. You just need a defense that can get stops at the right time basically avoid what Ohio state had happen to them last year against Oregon and Michigan. If, if you can just get some stops and let that offense do its thing, the second half of the Rose bowl being another example, that's what you, uh, that's what you need. And sure. They would love to have a top 10 offense, top 10 defense, be super balanced and super talented, but you can win a national championship with the elite offense that we believe they're going to have and the defense that they're, that we think they can get to. And yeah, you look at what Jim Knowles did with, a number of three-star recruits at Oklahoma State. No disrespect to, to what they did there, but you know, he is working with a different level of player now. And yes, it's year one, and it's going to probably take a few years before this defense gets to where it ultimately will be. But yeah, I think they will take, take a step. I think they can definitely, with the talent on this defense and, and a guy like Jim Knowles and, and the other coaches on the defensive side of the ball, get into that top 30 ranking. All right, got time for one more. This has been a uh, lively show. This is also from Rick uh, Montoya on Facebook. Last question of the show. Can Notre Dame's quarterback play on a big stage and keep up with the Buckeyes? Very interesting. Young Tyler Buckner making his first career start. He's a sophomore. Um, true sophomore was a you know, backup last year as a redshirt or as a, excuse me, as a true freshman. Uh, young man was a relatively high recruit, not a super high recruit, but was a top 100 national player right around, you know, number 10 quarterback um, in the country four-star kid. Um, I'm hearing he's a pretty good runner. So that gives me a little concern because Notre Dame's got really good offensive line. They've got one of the best. Let me rephrase that. They've got the best tight end in the country. So Patrick, can Tyler Buckner, can he, uh, you know, what a way to start your career, man, coming to the horseshoe against this Buckeye team. That's going to throw a lot at him. Um, I don't know, man. That's, that's a big question. I don't know. That's just one that we'll just have to see. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that the the real part of that question stood out to me is, keeping up with Ohio state. I mean, I just don't see. Yeah, exactly. You know, this offense, as we've said a couple times now, we believe it's going to be, if not the best, one of the best in the country. And you're playing, you know, you're playing against not on the field at the same time, but these receivers, CJ Stroud, the running backs, I mean, you know, it, maybe he, you know, if this kid can come in and, and play well, then I think Notre Dame will, will certainly be in the game, but I just I said it last year and that proved out to be the case. I don't know how you stop this Ohio State offense enough. It was just the defense last year. And so that's the real question for me is, is the defense good enough to cause issues for a first time starting quarterback in, in an environment like that? I think it will be. But, you know, both of those things are kind of wait and see just because we haven't seen enough of this defense in action yet. And we certainly haven't seen enough of Tyler Buckner. And the next time I'll see you, not over video chat, will be in person yep. in Indy tomorrow. Yep. Now, I'm going to put you on the spot. Can I have – I'm going to see if, if we can get Wagon, too. 
I'm thinking we do Wednesday show live from Indy. Me, you, and Wagon. Can I can I count you in on that? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great idea. All right, guys, we're gonna be coming at you live on Wednesday show from Indianapolis, Big Ten Media Day. So look forward to that. Dan Rubin, of course, will have you covered tomorrow with his usual Tuesday guest, Dwayne Long. So uh, yeah, Bucknuts Morning Five. We're at you uh, five days a week. Um, really appreciate you guys for tuning in and for all the comments and questions. Um, love that you guys are. Uh, loyal listeners and viewers of the program and make us a part of your uh, morning. Uh, we really, really appreciate all of you guys out there. Also appreciate Patrick for his wisdom on the show today. Thanks again to Patrick. Thank you to all of you for tuning in. Hope everyone has a great day. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.